1: Folks, stakes could not be higher as we head into 2022. If we don't hold the U.S. House and increase the Senate majority, Trump Republicans will take power and the progressive agenda will be all but dead. What's more, 2024's election integrity will be at risk if we don't protect state-level offices and don't get us started on the Supreme Court because they already suck. Because a campaign's priority is turning out existing voters to vote for them, a large swath of potential but currently unregistered voters never hear from organizers. Early investment in things like voter registration means more time for organizers to build relationships and expand their work to reach every person. There simply isn't time to do this when the money is coming in the final weeks of a campaign. In Georgia, nearly all eligible voters are now registered because organizers spent the last decade doing the work of registering and engaging voters, mostly people of color. That early investment is why Georgia turned blue in 2020. By donating to our no off years fund, you'll be investing in our voter registration efforts in Arizona, Florida, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Texas, and Wisconsin, places where reaching new voters will help make the difference in our ability to win in 2022. nay, the showdown of this young football season took place on Sunday in the rain. At Foxborough, Tom Brady returned to his old stomping grounds for the first time since leaving Coach Belichick and the Patriots for Tampa Bay. Man, it was much hyped, much promoted all week, and the ratings for the game appear to be way up compared to uh, Week 3 Sunday night. The patch showed Brady a lot of respect, a lot of love during his entrance. Uh, the game itself was a grind-out affair, but the Bucks did win thanks to a uh, late field goal. I want to ask you about this, So, Wins and losses are how we record sports, okay? And Tom Brady got the win, the Bucks got the win, yada, yada, yada. But, but, you know, Belichick uh, came up with a scheme that frustrated Brady, who uh, threw no touchdowns, also uh, threw no interceptions. So do you think, as an athlete, if you'd played a similar okay. game— do you think Tom Brady feels like this is a loss or a win coming off of uh, coming off of this game?
2: Yeah, so you kind of hit on it. Like as an athlete, at all costs, you want to get the dub. Like people will say, an ugly win is a win. However, we do know that Tom Brady is one of the most competitive humans. Out there, yeah. you can tell by how he treats his body. Like for you to eat mm-hmm. just powder and dust as meals, <laughs> I know, powder so that, and dust, you, <laughs> you know. So for you to eat that way and have that certain level of discipline, we just know that he will do anything to perform at the highest level. Like that's we know that TB twelve. So under that context, I think that Brady wanted to throw about 50-11 touchdowns. He wanted to have of course. Yeah, Like, so, yes, he's hyped to get the win, but I do bet that there was this little feeling on the inside of Brady, athlete to athlete. I think he had that little feeling after the game, like... Man, I mean, I could have played way better, you know, like I I know that like because that game was basically a Super Bowl game, you know, like to me, it was like the hype around it. And let me just even set the table. So I'm leaving Connecticut. I covered the WNBA semis, Mm -hmm. hopped on a plane right after the game and I turn on the TV just like everyone else on the plane. We're all watching the same game. I thought that was pretty wild. When I went to the bathroom and looked at the back of the TVs of the people that I was walking by everyone, not literally, but there were so many people watching the game. And I'm like, yo, this is week four in the NFL. And this game felt like a Super Bowl to me. Like that, it just had all the feels.
1: Absolutely. And well, you know, so much of what uh, the experience of watching and talking about sports with your friends, with your co-hosts, with anybody, all those conversations essentially revolve around who do we credit for whatever happened? Is this yeah. a legacy game for so-and-so? Did, did this coach do the right thing or the wrong thing? And I think it's particularly trenchant with a, with an athlete like Brady who who achieved so much as a member of the Patriots playing for Bill Belichick, who many will call the greatest coach in NFL history. It is a fascinating exercise. Like who— Who is responsible for that winning? Who is primarily—who can you put it more on? Is it Belichick, who provided the scheme and for many of those years achieved great success with a team that was, you know, not the most talented team in the NFL? Or is it Tom Brady, who has been so consistent, so great, so perfect in his decision-making for so long— that it's and, and and played to an age that you m- mainly see uh you know quarterbacks fall off or just from injury or d- other decline lose a step yeah. in a way that threatens not just their career but their ability to stay healthy on a week to week basis and and so i think what we're really saying is this was weirdly unsatisfying you know what i mean like we 100%. wanted it's like brady he played okay but he didn't play great. And it would have either, you, we wanted to see Brady come out and throw three touchdowns or three interceptions so that we could say,
2: It was literally in Belichick between. won
1: or Tom Brady won. No
2: one got an answer. Is what you're kind of hitting on is yes. that, no one really got an answer because if you look at the stat line, Brady was 22 for 43 for 269 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Then you look at Mac Jones, and he was 31 for 40, 275 yeah. yards, six more yards than Brady, and we know he's a competitive guy, two touchdowns, one interception. So when you see those numbers, obviously it needs to be noted that Gronk wasn't playing. He has a cracked rib, a punctured <laughs> lung. But when I know when Tom Brady, <laughs> I Tom I know when Tom Brady sees those yeah. numbers – he knows that those numbers are going to be read side by side. Right. He knows that those numbers are going to be compared. Matt Jones, I, I heard on the broadcast that Matt Jones had like the second highest selling jersey in that area or something mm-hmm. because the Patriots fans basically had to re-up on their quarterback jerseys. But for Tom Brady to be as competitive as he is, yeah, you were either expecting... Fireworks to where, mm-hmm. like you said, he goes off for three touchdowns, plays yeah. unbelievable. There's a two minute drill, and we know he's going to march down yeah. the field, not boom, kick a, boom, boom, a field goal. Win, yeah. yeah, not kick a field goal. Go do the Tom Brady thing to do, which is like punch him in the gut and yeah, look at him and say you did it. So we didn't get to see that, but something interesting that I heard coach Belichick say was somebody asked him like, well, what was it like preparing for Tom Brady, your first matchup? And he, and he was like, my first matchup, we played against him every day in practice. So to that point, that's probably why Tom Brady struggled. Imagine for 20 years, like 20 years is such a long time. I think about how close I was with the UConn Everyone, the UConn staff, the UConn teammates, we were there for four years. When you think about 20 years, that's the craziest thing. And yeah, Josh Allen was the number one top-selling jersey. Mac Jones, the number two top-selling jersey, according to Fanatics. Yeah. They had Carnacki on there. The Karnacki cam <laughs> made it to the game.
1: Let me just say that I, here's what... Uh, uh, these numbers are cool and they're important. That said, I would add that what I think Brady is like... Has a little bit of a different degree of difficulty because everybody's got his jersey. Like the <laughs> fact that he is the third most selling jersey means Wild. that people who have Brady jerseys are continuing to buy Brady jerseys. Yeah, Matt Jones out here selling jerseys for the first time. Congratulations.
2: Yeah, no, one hundred percent context matters. But imagine being Mac Jones. I, I said that like as I was crazy. watching the I mean, game the crazy. whole time. You're caught up in something that you have literally nothing to do with. like this game, all the things that you mentioned that are behind the game,
1: you're hoping nobody notices you in that game.
2: like and, <laughs> yeah. and he played great. He played just maintain. Great. yeah, just maintain. you're thinking just maintain. And then he went out there and threw two Dutch touchdowns, one interception. But I would say his interception, it hit the wide receiver's hands. And I've yeah. you know, i always yeah. heard if it touches your hands, you catch the ball because That's it right. bounced off his... And while he scrambled and it was, it looked wacky, but we've seen Patrick Mahomes excel at that type of pass. Yeah. His wide receiver, it touched his hands. So that one interception, I get it, it's there. But I think like Mac Jones having to go on such a huge stage with everything in it, that was a Super Bowl game that Mac Jones just played a week
1: for. I, I, I agree with you. And... Has that ever happened to you where you're involved in a game where the figures that are also involved have such a history for so long that you're just like a passenger in it watching things happen. I mean this is like not only that but there's also the element of Mac Jones watching somebody who has been playing professional yeah. football since he was a child, since he was a he little looked up boy. To, he probably looked up There's no way he couldn't, you know what I mean? Like there's no way you could avoid looking up to him playing as a quarterback. Yeah. Um, has that ever happened to you where you're just like, oh my God, there is that person.
2: Well, mine wasn't a person, but playing for the Minnesota Lynx, I felt like that a little bit because I walked into a dynasty. So yeah. it's weird when you walk into a system that's already flourishing because you're looking at the system and you're like, well, what am I going to do here? Yeah. Like you guys got everything, you know? So I walked into a Minnesota Lynx team where they had already won two championships, and now I'm coming in in 2015, and like, what can I add to the mix? And we played the Los Angeles Sparks 2015 in the finals, 2016 in the finals, and 2017 in the finals. So yeah, I felt like there was already something there that I was walking into. And in 2015, 2015 we won an, uh, a championship. Yep. 2016 I will not want to talk about that. <laughs> 2017 we won another championship. So I felt like as all of my teammates were hurling up like five for, oh, we got like five rings. I was holding up the peace sign like, baby, I got two. Let's go. So I felt like it was something different going on for them because they had a big dynasty that they were building. And I was just kind of like along for some of the ride, even though I know I had an input, but it was like that dynasty was already there in the making. There was already rivalries. And then I just came as a part of it. So yeah, I, I definitely understand that.
1: I was really impressed by Tom Brady's uh, post-game interview on the field. He is so polished and so good at hitting the talking points. Respect for the Patriots. Respect for the history that he's had with Belichick. Uh, You know, uh, celebrating the victory uh, uh, that that his team, the Bucs, has won over the Patriots. But also, like, saying, hey, they gave us a hard time. He does all of that, and he gives the interviewer absolutely nothing. No headlines. Let's play it.
3: I would say so much is made of, of our relationship, and um, you know, as I said earlier this week, you know, from a player standpoint, you just expect the coach to give you everything he's got, and as a, I'm sure as a player, that's what he was hoping for me. But um, nothing's really accurate that I ever see. It's all kind of, uh, you know, definitely doesn't come from my personal feelings or beliefs. And I have a lot of respect for him as a coach, and obviously a lot of respect for this organization and, um, you know, all the different people here that try to make it successful.
1: He's the best. He gives you nothing. He gives you absolutely nothing.
2: Tom Brady, ladies and gentlemen, he is a <laughs> businessman through and through. So let me tell you something about that number two Mac Jones jersey. Patriots fans are that large in number that yeah. you can jump. Like, cause we think about all the stars of the league. And think about, like, not just saying, oh, you already have a Patrick jersey, Patrick Mahomes. They have five alternate jerseys. So if you're really a super fan, you could get a jersey of Patrick Mahomes every year. That's why the NFL and the NBA change their looks, just so they know. They want you buying more jerseys. That's just so people understand that. But Tom Brady is a master businessman. So when he walked into Gillette Stadium, what did he have on, Jason? Tom Brady, his new brand called Brady Brand, where it's... The the valuation is like a billion already. They're already saying like... <laughs> crazy. The company, I'm telling you, the numbers... Sell that now, talking about, Tom. Listen, it's crazy. He walked in there fully branded from head to toe. He has on his jacket from his line. He has on his Brady hoodie from his new line, his pants, his whole fit. He debuted his new line at the game. So when you talk about Tom Brady giving those stock answers, think about Mac Jones sales. When Tom Brady's done or yep. whenever he... Who's going to be one of his biggest fan bases? He Like right now, he's politicking, as we call it. Yes. He's being very diplomatic because he's a businessman. He's so a businessman. whether or not this is sports or not, Tom Brady is going to say all the right things because now he has a whole brand that's launching, and we know how that goes. So he needs all those Patriots fans that might not want to buy a Buck jersey. They might buy a Brady hoodie or a Brady jacket.
1: Is he the greatest athlete in team sports history? I and mean, we can he put the
2: aside athlete like, in team sports history I'm glad you American said team team sports. American
1: team yeah. sports
2: history. I'm trying to think because I feel like there could be oversight, but yeah. I know I that mean, typically he, I, the argument is the individual sport people, so I just right. know that that is typically when you think about the serena when you think about yes, tennis correct. and different That's things, di- a different
1: a different kind of thing yes
2: diff completely different kind of thing um that he's up there. Like, you know, right. like He's, not off top of my head, just not thinking of anyone else. Like, you know, like I know that there's going to be the abdul Jabars who has like yeah. rings for every finger and different things of that nature. But in our era, I think it like he has to be up there.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because like, uh, you know, Kareem <laughs> averaged 20 plus until he was 40 plus. At the same time, you know, much like Brady now playing on a fully stocked, Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, you know, the last several years of Kareem's career, he had Magic, he had Worthy, you know, he had all these other stars. It's it's interesting though. It's like this kind of longevity is it's truly insane. Like you know, it's just like amazing, especially in a sport of football where you mentioned it. Gronk, Gronk has a punctured lung and a broken rib. Like there's guys out there trying to kill him every day. And he's playing Literally. at this age. It's wild. It's amazing.
2: And can we just say, by the way, and everyone knows, I'm into details. Like, yep. I'm into details, I'm into marketing. The way that they used Adele's "Hello," the way that every commercial, <laughs> Brady Subway commercial was in rotation. It was just like that whole broadcast. I gotta give them like a, a a clap because that was like we wanted a show. You know, like when we like when the ticket, the average price is like one thousand dollar, one thousand one hundred dollars. The average ticket price like was one thousand one hundred and one dollars which ranks among the Woof. most expensive tickets for any sporting event in the Boston area history. When we're pay- like when people are telling paying that much, I mean, like you got to put on a show. When we're expecting the, the return, you got to put on a show. And we know that we're very critical if people don't put on a show. So I want to make sure we give a shout out because I was entertained. I'm not going to lie. Even the guy that didn't hold his own umbrella. I'm entertained. (laughs) I'm entertained by it all. Like whose hand is that? Why are you the only one not holding your umbrella? What is going on? I loved everything about it. All Steve of it. Bella,
1: like, Steve Belichick got some run on the cameras with his weird facial. Oh, those facial fix. expressions made me very uncomfortable. I was like, is he okay? Like, I was well, like... Entertained. You know, we, we talked about this in the pre-pro a little bit. You know producers look Producers look for that. They're looking for you to look <gasps> as goofy as possible sometimes. They're oh, waiting yeah. for it.
2: And then once they found the fountain, they kept on going back to it. They're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, keep cutting back to that guy. And it was Rodney Harrison who didn't hold his own umbrella. There was a mysterious hand that was sneaking into the frame that, I mean, and boy, was he thriving. He was chilling. You couldn't have told Rodney nothing. remember. It. If somebody look, it wasn't like that was a spur of the moment in a sense of no, not somebody was right there, ready to carry it. It was planned. Rodney, we do want answers, but you don't have to give us answers. But I would love to hear how one man on the broadcast is doing that. Like that, I just I just want to hear like how who's did anyone say something? Cause you know, I'm the type I was just in studio with Monica McNutt and Carolyn. Yes, you Pack. are
1: great job, fantastic job on ABC thank, this yes, Sunday. Thank
2: you. I'm gonna tell you right now. If I have an umbrella that I'm holding with my hand, and Monica has an umbrella that she's holding with her hand, and then Carol, Carol Coach Carolyn walks up with an umbrella holder, I got questions, man. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, OG. Like, I would have like. So, I just want to know how did that play out? Just knowing athletes, knowing that space, that had to be. This is a running joke, probably now to this day.
1: Last week, the National Women's Soccer League was rocked by a report from the athletics Meg Linehan, in which two players accused North Carolina courage coach Paul Riley of sexual coercion. Riley has since been fired, but the story continues. Many current and former pro players have come out in support of Sinead Farrelly and Mount Shim. Players forced NWSL to halt games over the weekend, and the commissioner, Lisa Baird, has since resigned. Uh, lots to get into in this story and more to talk about. And we're joined by Haley Rosen, CEO and founder of Just Women's Sports and former NWSL keeper for the Seattle Reign and Orlando Pride, Haley Koppmeyer. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Kopp, let's start with you. What What was your initial reaction to the story when it broke?
4: I mean, it's it's horrifying. I don't think there's really many other words to describe what an awful, awful you know, situation those those women were put in, and just what I mean, truly, just a heartbreaking story it is. I think that you know, it's hard to put into words any other feelings other than just at first just complete sadness and anger, really.
2: No, I would agree, and I'm like me reading this story, it was pretty, it was surprising and not surprising all at once. So yeah. Haley, as a as a former player yourself and founder of Just Women's Sports you work with a lot of former athletes in the NWSL. So what was your just initial reaction when you saw what was going on?
3: I mean, I think exactly what you and Haley are saying. Like, first off, it's a total gut punch. Like, I that was a heavy day at Just Women's Sports and we rounded up as a team. And it, I, I think as much as we weren't surprised, it still sort of shakes you. It shakes you to your core. And it's shocking, even though it's not. And, you know, we talked a lot about how you know, you know exactly how this happened. Like you just do. And you see it, it's not, it's, unfortunately, it's not just the NWSL. It's in college, it's at the youth level. I mean, it it's a really major problem and it's systematic and it touches way too many people. And um, I think in some ways, though, it's a reminder of why we're here. You know, we talk a lot at Just Women's Sports about hype, not guilt. And, you know, let's get these women paid. Let's cover them. Like they're amazing athletes. We talk about all the positive sides of it. The other side of it is, you know, without journalism holding these entities accountable, this shit can happen, right? Yeah. And so we need people. We need people like Meg. We need organizations like Just Women's Sports, you know, holding these institutions accountable. And, you know, that's a really big reason why we're here.
1: Yeah, the NWSL and any sports league, for that matter, are just simply not incentivized to investigate themselves. Copy played for seven years as a keeper until 2019— um it, the story mentions allegations of uh, toxic environments fostered by other coaches throughout the league it, do you feel like this is an an issue that extends farther than than we've seen so far and how do you, how is this able to continue for so long
4: you know i i think sadly the nwsl was set up to foster this sort of environment And i think that's kind of the sad truth of you know, there's low wages. There's no guarantees in your contracts. There's, you're, you're fully dependent on these organizations to make less than minimum wage. And there's constantly this, you know, belief fed into you that you should be happy to be here and you should keep your mouth shut and put your head down and work and do what the coaches tell you, do what your owners tell you, do, you know, do whatever you can to make it happy because there's no guarantees. Um, and, you know, I think it starts there, right? You know, the first the first year in the league, I had an $8,000 contract and it was taken from me in the middle of the season. You know, it was just like in a meeting that's, and that's how it works. Um, and I think that sort of just that if that's your structure, that fosters situations like this very sadly to occur,
2: you know, it's interesting you say that and because, Media plays a big part in everything. We see right now with the minor leagues in baseball, the conversation is being brought up that these are not livable wages. These are not good livable situations. And had the media maybe been making more light of, like you said, the NWSL is set up for that. Had the media maybe been making more light of it, maybe some of these things can be prevented. But Haley, I'm curious, how, how have you felt about the response of the media to this story now that everything's coming out, knowing kind of to what cops said, that this was bound to happen with the way things are set up. Like, how do you feel the media's response to this was?
3: I mean, I think the media has been all over this, which is, it's a good thing, right? We need attention. We need to bring light to this. We have to talk about it, root it out and move forward. That is, I think, an issue in women's sports. We see that the media shows up when there's scandal. You know, when the March Madness thing happened, media showed up. They loved it. It drove clicks. It was, you know, interesting headlines. Like, Women's sports needs coverage year round for so many reasons, but this is one of them, right? Like if there's eyes on this space, if there's eyes on the coaches and the teams and the leagues, this stuff won't happen or it'll happen less, right? And so that, yes, show up now. Let's talk about it. Let's root it out and let's work towards change, but show up year round. And I mean, this is why we're just women's sports. This is why we exist.
1: Um, there have been a lot of social media statements from current and former players that are currently out there. Megan Rapinoe notably uh, posted, burn it all down in response to, uh, you know, some of the uh, details from this story. Have either of you spoken uh, to players and what is, what are those conversations like? What are people thinking right now?
4: I think that's a great question. And yes, have spoken with um, some current players, some former players, you know, I think first and foremost, there's just some grieving, you know, it's, it's a sad situation and I think it's a lot to process. And, you know, I I think there's players who have played, you know, I know that have played for this coach and, you know, maybe haven't experienced the same abuse, but can also, again, it's kind of that same idea of shock, not shocked. Um, And, and that side of it, I think is, is really horrifying. And I think at this point, you know, yes, burn it all down. At the end of the day, I think everybody still wants a league, But I think the structural change has to come. And I think that's what everybody wants. And they want the people that swept this under the rug to be held accountable. You know, it is one thing to remove Elisa Baird and Elisa Levine and to fire Paul. But they aren't the only people who knew about this. Right. And those people are still, those people still have jobs. And I think that's something that players want. They want accountability in this.
2: You know it's interesting because accountability it was the word for 2020. I remember that yeah. people kept on talking about it just we were talking about it when it came to policing in, a, in in a civil manner. But accountability is a word and I'm glad you brought it up because when you talk about it it needs to happen on every sector of every life. Even teachers need to be accountable, for, you mm-hmm. know, like every coaches need to be accountable, leagues need to be accountable and to that point there there is there's no doubt that there's so much work that needs to be done. How does the league move forward to protect players better now that we know the problems, now that we know that there's still people there that might've known, how do we move forward from this and cop? I mean, let's just start with you because I want to hear from both of you. And let's start with you. Like how, what's the next step forward?
4: I mean, I think obviously going through with this investigation, having it done at the correct levels, removing the people who you know, we're complicit in this. I think that's the first step. And then I think the second step is, you know, currently the players are undergoing uh, their very first CBA as a union.
2: That's big. That's big. That's huge. Yeah, it's yeah. huge.
4: That is literally happening as we speak, like bargaining today for wow. players' rights and job security. And, and you know, they've used this statement, we're taking our power back, right? This, is, this league is about the players. It is not about the coaches. It is not about the front office. It's not even about, you know, all of us who have gone into media, it is about them. Um, and I think this CBA is so important. It's it's job security, it's financial security, it's freedom to be able to leave a situation if you feel unsafe. And it's also, mm-hmm. you know, believing that if you speak up about something that your voice will be heard. And I think there's, you know, 30 things on the table right now that this CBA is covering. Um, and it is, it is key that every single one of them go through because it is, it it will root out so many of these problems.
1: Uh, Both of you have been talking about the, the the structural issues at play. And I think that's important because, you know, I think for people who maybe aren't checked into this story or just learning about it, they see, well, the commissioner is a woman. Like, uh, does that not fix the problem? Um, the complaints about Mr. Riley were raised in 2015 through official channels. And you would imagine with what else is going on in the broader culture, the Me Too movement, that uh, that, that would be an open space for these allegations to come to the fore. And yet they did not. Uh, why? Like, what w- is it simply because the NWSL is in this survival mode where, oh my God, anything, any bad news, you can't, you got to think about what could happen to the league and what is it that structurally that causes this to happen? Because I think that is important and something we need to continue to drill down on because it's not just about representation in this, in this particular space or any space. I mean, I,
3: I think like on the most basic level, I think you touch on it. I think the league is in survival mode, you know, and this is the longest standing women's professional soccer league we've had in the U S and I think there's some decision-making that's fear-based. And I think that as we go forward, we have to build with the players in mind and there's a lot of decisions that are made, very few made with the interest of the players in mind. And I think that's gotta be a shift in mindset, but I think like, you know, 30 foot view here, like, this is not just the NWSL. Like, why does this stuff happen in, yeah. you know, all over, right? The whole, you talked about the Me Too movement. Like, this is like structural from every aspect of our society. Why does this happen to women? Period. Yeah. You know, why do we, and it's just like, it's very, the whole thing just hits home so hard because I think. And not to make this about myself, but I feel like I saw it in youth. I saw it collegiately. I saw it professionally. Now I see it in work. You know, you see it with being the only woman in the room or with VCs or, you know, all of it. It's everywhere in our society and it sucks. And we need to call it out and we need to change it. And we need to change how we, you know, work with women, view women in our culture.
2: It's very interesting you say that because Jason knows what I'm about to say. Because in our pre production meeting, I literally said, you know, being a woman. It's so it's such an obstacle. Like you like, if you want to get to the top of your profession, like you're gonna have so many obstacles. One, just the fact that you're a woman, that's an obstacle. But then as you're climbing the ladder, you're gonna run into, oh, here's a guy. He's a little bit weird here. Oh, watch out for this yep. situation. You go to a next one, you get to another platform, watch out for this person, watch it. like at every turn, whether it's an actress. And it's trying to get casted for a role to where if it's a professional athlete trying to live out their dream and be a professional athlete at every level, you see women have to fight these obstacles just to do their job, just to be a woman in the workplace. So I always say like every woman knows a woman that has a story and that's a problem to me. And so, I mean, I love that just women's sports are here. So I wanted to, to say, Haley, what should listeners expect to hear and where can they get more content covering women's sports at your outlet? Because to your point, The fact that you're saying just women's sports, uh, like the name of it
3: says everything. (laughs) And listen, like this is not about me or anything else besides these players right now and rooting this out and working towards change. But this, this really is, you know, why I think platforms like Just Women Sports are really important. And we're not the only ones doing this work. There's a lot of amazing journalists out there that are covering this yep. space. And I think, you know, as long as, you know, 4%, less than 4% of media attention is going to women's sports, there's going to be problems. And that's why we're here. That's why there's amazing journalists like Meg doing the hard work. And we're all going to keep pushing to make this a safer space for women. And, you know, eventually on like the positive note. Get these women paid so there can be more owners of teams and leagues and all of that.
2: I love it. I love it. I love it. Shout out to WNBA Twitter and all the journalists out there that cover sports. It matters. They're Haley Rosen and Haley Kottmeyer of Just Women's Sports. Thank you for joining Take Line.
3: Thank you so much for
4: having us. Thank you both.
0: On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes,
2: So Jason, we had yes. a change of heart in the NBA and after claiming he would not get the COVID vaccine and even having a religious exemption denied by the NBA, Andrew Wiggins was reported to be vaccinated now. We should note that the NBA recently announced that the players who miss games in cities that require vaccination for events like basketball games would not receive game checks. That means Wiggins stood to lose a good chunk of his $31.6 million salary this year He's vaccinated now. The Warriors clearly want to move on. But Jason, do we think that it was money that got Andrew Wiggins to change his mind? Or perhaps someone in the Warriors organization, a family member? How do you go from asking for a religious exemption to getting the vaccination in pretty much a week?
1: Well, I'll say that I think the religious exemption was... Uh, my read on that was this was the Warriors kind of like doing their due diligence for Andrew. Like let's let him go through all of his options until he gets to a place where he sees, okay, I can't pursue that Avenue. Can't pursue that Avenue. Now it's, do I get vaccinated or do I stand to lose uh, game checks for every home game uh, because of the particular laws in San Francisco and, and California? Um, I, it was surely a big part of this, is surely the millions of dollars that he would have missed out. I mean, that's, you know, a, it's a free country, right? But that freedom comes with, uh, with, uh, you have to pay for it in a certain way. Like there are, there are repercussions for your actions and for your decisions. And if Andrew Wiggins wanted to remain unvaccinated, uh, he would have, that would have cost him a significant amount of money. That money would have meant uh, his agent and his reps lose money. His lawyers lose money to say nothing of his family and the people around him that he supports. All of that stuff matters. Um, But I just want to celebrate Andrew Wiggins. Like, yeah, good. Congratulations. I think that uh, we can glean from the timeline here that he got the Johnson and Johnson one shot because, you know, if the league uh, the season starts October 19th, so if they were getting the Moderna or the Pfizer two-shot process where it's a shot and then four weeks and then another shot, he would probably have missed two weeks of the NBA season. Yeah. So this will allow him to not miss any games. And I would imagine for any of the other holdouts, this week is going to be uh, pretty crucial for them to make a final decision about whether uh, they're going to get the Johnson and Johnson shot, whether it will allow them to not miss any games. Uh, But I'm glad that this happened and congratulations to him. This was, uh, you know, I think the questions about it were absolutely fair. And I understand that the, that, uh, that Andrew and Draymond and the other players who've been asked these questions are probably tired of them. Why can't we uh, talk about basketball, et cetera. But this is important, and it's important for any of the any number of reasons that you can uh, learn about by reading the front page of every single newspaper in the world. Yeah, and uh, you know we're still living in a in a country where hospitals in certain regions of the country are being overrun by cases, notably Alaska. It's important, um, and so I'm I'm I'm. I'm happy that this happened. Congratulations to Andrew Wiggins. I'm thankful now. Your teammates don't have to answer any questions, which, as we saw from uh, you know Draymond's comments, they are annoyed about. But I'm yeah. glad that this. I'm glad that this happened. What do you What do you think no, for moved sure. Andrew forward?
2: Well, before I get to what moved Andrew, I think that you know you hit on something. We're like this is a celebration because when you think yeah. about the NBA having 95 percent of its, it's players vaccinated. Nationally, we only have 56% of Americans vaccinated. And to your point, have we had that 95th percentile like the NBA, we wouldn't have those full We'd hospital beds. We wouldn't have— pretty. We would. We would have normal concerts probably. We'd we would be outside feel, right now. <laughs> yeah, we would start to feel some level of enormous. Heat. Here's the kicker. If we had that percentile, we might not even be talking about this with the NBA. It wouldn't even be a thing in sports anymore if we had a lot of people like the NBA does— only roughly 40 NBA players don't have the vaccine. So if we could talk about those percentages when it comes to America, that's a it is a celebration in that I, I aspect. So, you know, like I'm sure people are missing their brunch, their boozy brunches. Yep. You know, Jason, you're still in tables. I know that people <laughs> are missing those things and it's because if we could get to that 95th percentile, we could be there. But, you know, I think it was a combination of everything that changed his mind. Honestly, yeah. I think that it was like... Ooh, Lord, if I'm missing half of my checks, that's crazy. Then you got your family. And we know that NBA players and look, this was for me, too. When I opted out in 2020, the hardest part for me was that I knew that I had a family that was depending on me. So I'm like, all right. So it's a pandemic. My women's college basketball job got Canceled Because the tournament got canceled. Mm -hmm. I was calling 3x3 tournament canceled. I was Mm -hmm. calling NBA summer canceled. So I literally had no jobs and then I opted out of the only job I had. So I do understand that there's a certain level of what are we doing? Because people are depending on me. I think that also two players don't want to be on home confinement. And with that's the NBA rules, with the NBA rules, I know that that was one of the biggest things last year that the players felt like they were literally on house arrest, can't really leave the hotel, getting tested every two seconds. I think that that, along with just the pressure that the whole world is talking about you, and like we know, too, like we know now that sports. Look at the politics. You know how they say like politics run the world. As well, politicians are talking about everything going on in sports. Sports yeah. are running the the show. So you're Andrew Wiggins, you're Kyrie Irving. Literally everyone is talking about you.
1: A good rule of thumb for me is whenever Ted Cruz agrees with something, <laughs> I disagree with.
2: <laughs> Why did Jamel I, say she would, she would throw up in her mouth a little bit if he <laughs> agreed with her? <laughs> uh, you,
1: you mentioned the rules for players who are unvaccinated, right? So uh, the right. NBA, it, it it would just have been tough. Here, some of the rules include daily testing before entering team facilities or interacting with players and staff, Uh, must undergo lab-based game day testing, no indoor dining in the same room as other players or tier one personnel, Uh, six distance of of feet between uh, the the unvaccinated person and any other player, masks in all situations when indoors in team facilities, have to have a separate locker room, must remain at their residence while at their home markets, and they can't go out on the road. This is... uh, it's a high bar. It's a high bar for anyone who wants to go this route. Um, but again, there there are going to be consequences for deciding to go this route. And man, it is it, the NBA made it tough for people to decide to do this. And I think fairly so. I think this is appropriate considering what we've seen in this country with approaching 700,000 deaths. So Draymond Green was asked about Andrew Wiggins and in the course of a pretty long answer, you know, said uh, among other things, I think there's something to be said for people's concern about something that's being pressed so hard. Like, why are you pressing this so hard? He also said like, you, you know, you wouldn't ask, um, you wouldn't ask Andrew about like the polio, whether he got the polio vaccine or not. What did you think of those comments?
2: I think that, You can make an example of everything, like, you know, like, but it doesn't necessarily make it make sense. So yeah, like I get what you're saying, kind of, but no, because when there's a public, like there's rules to be in public. There's rules of engagement to be a citizen. There's rules, like, for instance, if you smoke in the airplane, they're going to kick you off. Like, yes, you're prerogative. Yes, you're right. If you smoke in in anywhere, you know why? Because we found out that smoking is harmful to others and they don't want the smoke in the air. So while it is your right and your choice to do whatever you want, because we're Americans, smoking is not your choice because your smoking is a hazard to other humans. So it's like, while of course, like People are trying to say, oh, well, America's supposed to be the land of the free. Yeah, we are. And we want the other free people to be safe yes. while they're out being free. So it's like any. there's always a way to use an example to get your point across. But to me, you still have to make it make sense. And it doesn't make sense. It's the same way schools. I have a son. He has to have all of his vaccines, all of his yeah. shots, or he's not allowed in the school.
1: Yeah, it's like I, unless you're going to go out and play in an astronaut suit— <laughs> You know what I mean? (laughs) Then then you you kind of have to you kind of have to adhere to the rules that everyone else who is breathing that air inside that building have to adhere to. And and to the kind of, you know, on the one hand, I get Draymond's annoyance at having to answer a public question about Andrew Wiggins. Forget what the behind-the-closed-doors conversations. I'm sure that there are conversations between Steph and Clay and Draymond and Andrew and the teammates of every other player who is deciding to remain unvaccinated. I'm sure those conversations are going on. So to answer a question about a a, a teammate in public like that, I get it. It's it's annoying. That said, like, we don't talk about polio because it was eradicated by vaccine. Eradicated. (laughs) You know, like... It's just, like, we can't—that's not a good—that's not a good way to parry this. Like, we don't talk to—we uh, don't ask Draymond whether he's asking Andrew about his partner's pregnancy because pregnancy is not contagious. You know, like, we don't—when uh, Bradley Beale said, hey, you know, like, I'm I'm fine, uh, I got it, and then I, I lost my sense of smell, but other than that, everything's fine. Like, that's—man, that—
2: that's concerning. That's your nerve. That's your nervous
1: system. That's a nerve that runs down from your brain to your nose. Like there, is, this is concerning. And and again, people, real people are being impacted by this all the time, a lot. So I get that players are annoyed. They're annoyed about having to answer questions for other people. But this is a topic of intense interest because of everything we've seen over the last two years. So these these questions are not going away. Do you think? Like, at what point? Can you picture right now, Renee, a point where we just don't, where we don't ask about this anymore, where this is just over? I mean, this feels like, man, we've been doing this two years already.
2: I would love to get to, to the point of polio to where we are eradicated. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? I would love to yes. get there. But when I look at the numbers and look, we're at 56 percent vaccinations, knowing I mean. that a lot of hospitals have no more beds, knowing that a lot of hospitals are declining people from coming in, knowing it's what scary. we know. I'm terrified that because if we know all of this information is ready available on the internet and we still have people saying they're doing their own research. We still have people saying it's fake news. We still have politicians getting the vaccine, but saying bad things about the vaccine. I'm scared because people will be, like unfortunately, people believe people on TV. Like it's yeah. like whether or that's not- It's the world, it's the world should, we live in. Yeah. It's the world that's, we live in. So when you have politicians, when you have even a Draymond Green trying to shed light from his point of view, it's yeah. not good because there's gonna be somebody out there that's like, you know what? That's a good point. Yeah. And no, it's not a good point. It's not I, a good point.
1: On that tip, like the I'm doing my own research Thing I get it, and that I think that's important to like you use your it? curiosity. I get it in the sense that I think it's important to to uh, harness one's curiosity to learn about things. Yeah, but like, is your research peer reviewed? Like, are you releasing your research so that other people can check it? Are you releasing it so that Was other there scientists and research can yet yeah, can 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 look through it and decide whether your findings are accurate or not? That's what's going on with these vaccines, like peer reviews, huge uh, testing groups, like 90,000 people tested. That's one of the largest uh, testing groups for a modern vaccine trial. Unless your research is being released so that other people can look through it and 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 combine it with their own research and see that it's accurate, you're not actually researching. You're just Googling stuff. You know what I mean? 100%. Like but And then and, when are you going to conclude your research? Like, it's yeah, like when is it over? I've heard
2: players, when, <laughs> like, when did we get the results? Because I've yeah, seen players, they've been, I've seen people that's been researching for months. Like, yeah. is there any end date? Should I give you a final date to turn in your work? Like, yeah. is there? Like, <laughs> when do we get the answer from the people that saying they need to do more research? When does the research paper,
1: when does it do? When does the I, research I, do? Is it, that's a great question. And even if, like, oh, listen, I understand if the research is, Ongoing, can we get some of the findings now? Can we I need an update? I... <laughs> what have you figured out to
2: this point? I yes, to see, are you on the right track? Like, is there yeah. any statistics in there? Is it just quotes from other people in there? Because I've seen that too. Like, your statistics, your research is all other people's quotes that know just as much as you. Yeah. What? What? <laughs> Come it's on. not Dr. Fauci. They're not researching nothing, Dr. Fauci said. It's like, oh, yeah, I heard this guy say that. And yeah, what about that? Oh, I heard this guy say he got COVID. He only lost his smell, yes. his sight, his touch, his <laughs> breathing. But what about
1: that? <laughs> like, what is mean, is Dr. Fauci? do? Uh, Dr. Fauci being a great example of a person who sits atop these various streams of research that come into his office, like, uh, on a daily basis, and then he is digesting those facts. Listen, again, I support people being curious and learning about things. But if you say that you're doing research, release the research. That's all I ask. Run it! Let's see the research. I want to see the footnotes. I want to know. I want to know Because I can go get
2: some research and I know they're going to be like, "Oh, yeah. let me see your research." No problem. If anybody yeah. want to ask me that, I'm going to send you 100,000 links. Like, actually, I'm going to send you what to type into the Google search to give you all the information you need. Death by COVID. Type yeah. that in. That should give you all the information you need because again, it's kind of like, you know, Everybody should, at this point, almost know somebody that's affected by COVID. Y'all, everybody in the NBA knows Carl Anthony Towns, so they know somebody personally who was affected by COVID. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, one of the OGs, came in there and, I mean, he just said it. And, quote, the ignorance that has been Perpetrated and the misinformation that has been spread around everywhere has made it impossible for people to get an understanding of what is going on. People who say they haven't finished doing their research yet really <laughs> haven't done any research.
1: Facts. I mean, facts. Big facts from from the <laughs> from the big fella. Uh couldn't have said any better. Andrew Wiggins, I'm happy for you. Congratulations. Do your-
2: research when is it but know? Also, everybody send me but your also, research
1: but also release the research everyone who has said that they are doing their research release the research we want to see where you're at with that research
3: show your work
2: no! you time it is. I'm not going to tell y'all anymore when y'all hear that. Y'all already know that we got a little something to tell y'all. The stories that didn't make it due to time, we like to call them buzzer beaters, and I'm going to get the party started because it's WNBA playoff time, what? baby. There's a, You know what? This time of year, I'm a Christmas lover, so that's the most wonderful time of the year. But this area that we're in right now where it's the WNBA playoffs, NBA is starting, NFL is in the thick of it, week four, to me this is like... The second best is the most wonderful time. So I'm excited (laughs) to say the least. On Wednesday, I've been covering the WBA Cinema Finals in studio. Like I said, with the crew, Monica McNutt, Carolyn Peck, the OGs, and it's really been like as good as advertised but i don't even think that does it justice like the first game game 1 went into double overtime yes. bro there were records broken van uh, sloot there it is she broke the <laughs> assist record with 18 assists so i it was like jam packed it was exciting the games were star studded if you're into that sort of thing Half of the Raiders team was at the Aces game, game one. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Jay Crowder. They, I mean, these games were, if you love sports and you love the stars at the sports, the WNBA playoffs have that. And I'm flying back tomorrow for game four of the semifinals. And I'm excited. I'm excited. I think that it's going to look good. And then... On top of that, on Friday I fly to Memphis to cover Hawks because they're preseason game. That's what I'm talking about. Ooh. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Half of the week is WNBA, the other half NBA. Like it's, it's a beautiful,
1: beautiful. Thing,
2: Jason. What's going on over there?
1: It's beautiful. I would like to talk about the show that is. Uh, it's taking the world by storm to such a degree. That a broadband supplier in Korea sued Netflix because the show crashed their servers. What? I, yeah, I'm talking <laughs> about. Squid, I'm talking about the Squid Game. Uh, it's wow. it, you mentioned what a magical time of year it is. As soon as I'm I'm at on episode five right now. I'm currently in the mid binge. Last night, I ordered my Squid Game costumes for Halloween. <laughs> I have both the pink guard jumpsuit with the mask, and I got a, a little uh, water gun that I'm going to spray paint black. And I, and I got the green and white jumpsuit with the number, and I got the, uh, the T-shirt underneath with the number. I'm ready to go. I can wow. be, I'm be. i playing both sides of this thing. I'm ready to get <laughs> in the Squid Game. And I'll be honest with you, I think I, think I would dominate the Squid Game. I think I really? would. I think I'm. I'm ready to. I would know right away what was going on before. So people you started knew those
2: games shots. before you saw those games. I mean,
1: red well, light, green light. Of course, we all know yes. that. But I no, I didn't know the games. But uh, there's a there's a movie called Battle Royale, which is a, an adaptation of a novel by the same name. A Japanese movie and also a Japanese novel came out in 2000. Very influential and. It, the vibes are very similar to Squid Game in that it's this non-zero kind of competition where uh, the losers get killed, uh, went on to influence the Hunger Games. And so as soon as I started watching Squid Game, I was like, oh, I know where this is going. Uh, I, I know exactly wow. where this is going.
2: That's kind of like a cheat code a little bit because I, yeah. too—well, I well, are you not finished yet? I just heard— I'm wait, on did five. You say Don't say
1: anything. I'm on five. They just you did the can't struggle war. You not do a review they,
2: halfway through. Just what?
1: Did, well, I, I'm. This is more about my Halloween costume, which I cannot wait for, okay. for it to arrive. In. That's what it is. And
2: I guess I'm, this is the time where we talk about that. I too watched Squid Game. Yeah, I binge watched it. it on my day off on Saturday. Watched the whole thing, and I did exactly what Jason did. So imagine, <laughs> imagine. The marketability of this show that after you only watched five episodes and you were like, got to get the costume. Got to get the costume. (laughs) I watched the whole season. Boom. We need a family entering the Squid Game. Junior, Serena, and myself, we will enter the Squid Game. I ordered the costumes for the full fit for the family. Imagine the marketability of this. Uh, I saw a tweet about this, Jason. It said that this show could be the highest rated Netflix show ever. Now, I don't know if you guys know how big of a deal that is. Netflix has some of the biggest yeah. shows out, and especially I love a good Netflix original. So
1: there, Netflix has too. some
2: heavy hitters. So for Squid Game to come through dubbed over with the captions that don't match, I'm like <laughs> they what? don't match. They really
1: don't match sometimes, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, come see me in my green tracksuit on Halloween. That's it for us. Follow and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to Take Line Show on YouTube for exclusive video clips from this episode. Plus subscribe and listen to my comics, movie, and TV podcast, X-Ray Vision. Check it out. Okay. Goodbye. I'll see you next week. Let's go. Take Line is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Carlton Gillespie and Zuri Irvin. Our executive producers are myself, and Sandy Gerard, our contributing producers are Caroline Reston, Elijah Cohn, and Jason Gallagher. Engineering, editing, and sound design by Sarah Gibelaska, and the folks at Chapter 4. And our theme music is produced by Brian Vasquez.